welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every week, we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We're reframing business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find more fulfillment, more freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Laura Shuk-Guzman. Today, we decided we would dive into a topic that I think resonates really well with both of us in terms of how we look at and view and reframe business. I think that so often we go into business, we leap into it, and we're really so focused on success and succeeding and, you know, living our best life and all of the the mastery that comes with business. We don't often give ourselves the space or the permission to fail, to fall, to have to try again, to practice, right? To build skills over time. So often we're asked to be perfect from the beginning. So this is the juicy topic we want to dive into today and see where it goes. What do you think, Laura? Oh, it is a juicy topic. One of the things I love about this podcast that we have together, Sonia, is that we really get to go into taboo topics, uh, meaning the ones that are hard for people to open up and be vulnerable with. And, you know, I think definitely discussing our shortcomings, um, our perceived failures, like challenges in our business, you know, how do we talk about that? And how do we know that we're safe to talk about it? So you and I creating it, safe space right now, let's dive in. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. And I think that's a lot of what I do with my clients as well, right? It's like, you know, in the olden days, <laughs> many years ago, <laughs> right, in the olden days, you know, we used to have this this space where apprenticeship or internship was part of the process. If you wanted to learn a trade, if you want to learn how to do something, you would, you know, follow someone who was already a master, follow someone who'd built years and years and years and skilled themselves to achieve what they've achieved. But somehow that's really shifted in our culture. And we're expected to be a master of everything. We're expected to be good from day one at something. And we don't give ourselves the permission to really grow, to really build a skill, to really come into business, not knowing a whole lot of things, which most of us have. We started our business journey not knowing a lot, maybe knowing our skill, maybe knowing our sort of expertise. But the the life of business, the structure of business, there's so much that we don't know. Everybody comes in, you know, not really having all the wisdom and knowledge of how to be successful. And so we need to give ourselves that permission to learn one thing at a time, put one step in front of the other, skill build over time, fall down, make mistakes, screw up, like that's inevitable, and then learn from that and then appreciate that and then keep moving forward. Uh. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, just the lack of um, apprentices and mentors that we have. And because even our internships, you know, that many of us can obtain. I know my internships were built in like, I mean, were in my skill building of psychotherapy, but I've never had that opportunity to really learn business that way, you know, just from the ground up. And, you know, I do offer that now. I offer that mentoring and internship type opportunity to students and learners in the Austin area. But gosh, like we don't really have that opportunity to see firsthand the ups and the downs and the true story of what entrepreneurship is, right? And when we don't see behind the curtain and we're only seeing the polished result, 
then it can be really disheartening. We can look at social media and see these successful entrepreneurs in quote air quotes here, um, you know, that look like it just happened overnight and that everything is just worked out. They must have just done everything perfectly. And now they're happy and sitting in this income that's sustaining them and, you know, they're living their wildest dreams. And and we're sitting here, you know, staring at our um, computer and looking at our client list and just wondering, like, what's so wrong with me? Like, why can't I be like that? But I would say, you know, be careful to compare because that is not always a realistic version of what entrepreneurship truly is. It's actually rarely a realistic version of what it's like. And I think, you know, this is where we, Laura and I really try to to get to more truth and more transparency of what it's really like because there's so much illusion out there. And I think this is also what's allowing a lot of people to be burned out, to be uh, discouraged, to give up, to, you know, fail once and then they just quit and they go back to a job or they go back to someplace else because they they think something's wrong with them, right? Something's innately wrong with who they are. They're the failure. They didn't do it right. And the truth is, is that, you know, so many people are out there trying to just master something and not they don't learn any real skills, right? So most of the world is teaching people tactics. You know, here's how you do this. If you want to get clients, do this Facebook ad, do this technique and this tactic and you'll have clients. And no one's teaching people the real skills, which is like being able to have a conversation with someone, being able to actually describe your value. Like that is a huge skill. Being able to stand in your leadership in a sales call, turning down bad fits and accepting only good fits. These are all skills that we have to practice, that have to evolve, that we have to have actual experience with. But instead, people are learning tactics that of course don't work over time. And then they're like, yeah, well, I must be a failure. And this is such the problem we have in the entire entrepreneurship arena right now. Yeah, yes. It's, you know, it makes me think also of this uh, book, Post Traumatic Growth, and like how this researcher, I cannot remember her name at the moment, but, you know, she was fascinated with Why are we not looking at what makes people more resilient? You know, there are people that actually grow based on their traumatic experiences. And it's the same disservice like we're doing to entrepreneurship if we don't talk about the fact that we're going to fall down, that there is something to be resilient with, that it's actually hard work and there's all the ups and downs. We're not actually hearing amazing stories. We're not seeing Um, and modeling resiliency for the next generation of entrepreneurs. Instead, we're acting as if like, oh, this was, you know, um, I was just a natural born leader. I just had all my ducks in a row. Oh, I just, you know, knew exactly how to bring that to market at just the right time. And I'm all about serendipity and good timing and using your gifts. But I think that we're perpetuating a myth in which younger entrepreneurs and even seasoned entrepreneurs who are still waiting, you know, to really hit their stride, they're starting to think like there's something wrong with them. And it's really just there's something wrong with the stories that we're telling or the pieces of the journey that we're really talking about. Yeah. And this is systemic. I mean, this is like the entire cultural system in our world is like not focused. And there, this may be uh, different cultures, right? Especially in Western cultures. We're not focused on 
the permission to just learn something over time. I mean, even if you look at the way our curriculum is or academic, it's still focused on memorization and like learning everything, getting a perfect score. It's not like really focused on allowing someone to gain a skill, to fail, to not do well, and then to improve. Like there is a penalty if you fail on every level in society, whether it's, you know, you're a child. I mean, so many parents even holding their kids to this place of if they make a mistake, if they do something wrong, they're punished or, you know, they're put in time out. Instead of us really looking at cool, so this person needs to build a skill. That's awesome. So how can we support them to build that skill? How can we break something down that allows them to practice one thing at a time until they've mastered that one thing and they've built a skill? It's like our whole world doesn't really allow for that. So this is a very pervasive issue that we need to start looking at and recognizing in ourselves and around us. So true. Yeah, the, that piece of the educational part really hits home with me because I remember even feeling that myself as someone who was able to play that game fairly well and do what the teachers needed me to do to perform and get the grades needed. So it's like I could play the game, but I was actually outperformed by those that were more gifted at just the memorization and the regurgitation of information. So like those people were ahead of me in my class. But then, you know, upon going out into the world, I realized that, oh, my natural curiosity sort of leans itself to design thinking, you know, and I wasn't even told that a lot about like creating prototypes and then getting a feedback loop. And then like, I, cause I do feel like in that, even though we're using design thinking a lot in our technology and in our um, entrepreneurship, there's like, somehow we're missing the point of that. The whole point of design thinking is that it's a continual process and a practice like you and you know you like to say it's it's a skill building. And you create something, you throw it out there, you see what happens. You collect data and feedback and customer experience and see like what are people thinking? Do they like it? Does it work? Does it solve this problem? Oh, it solves 60% of the problem, but we're yes. still missing 40%. So what yes. do we do? Right? And then we go back to the drawing board and we work on this piece and you know and that was not a failure like you just solved 60% of yeah. a problem <laughs> that was like 100% not being addressed and so it's really interesting how I can remember that and I remember thinking oh wow I'm not going to get that high of a score on that test but I'm going to do so much better in this field or in this world where I can use applied thinking, where I can actually use common sense and do deductive reasoning, <laughs> like all the things that you need to be able to do to succeed in problem solving and in creative fields, which is what entrepreneurship is. It's a creative yeah, endeavor. Look, and, and in some ways, I was like the opposite. I mean, I was, I've always been a design thinker and a creative thinker, but I was so pressured to perform as a child that like for me, it was all about the numbers, right? I got a hundred, you know, I got a hundred and two. I got a like, I mean, I was like so fixated on performance and I was sort of have a, a somewhat photographic memory and that was really helpful so I could like you know memorize things I could produce really well on tests you know and and this was this sort of academic you know striving and I mean I remember in university I went to six years of university because I switched majors and in that six years I got one B 
all A's, one B, right? So that's like serious. I think I got two hours sleep a night. I mean, like, <laughs> like no, no joke. <laughs> yeah. Like, serious sleep deprivation. Yeah, but all, but all A's. Except for this one B. I cried for a long time for that one B. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? But I was so – it was so much a part of what was embedded into me that, you know, it's all about striving. It's all about performance. It's all that masculine. It's all that piece. And it wasn't until – you know, right after I graduated university, and this is really funny, I always tell this story, like right after I graduated university, I actually enrolled in a whole series of classes, like, you know, like, like, like continuing education classes. <laughs> it was like immediately, I just went through six years of university, <laughs> full time, full time working, and then I enrolled myself in a bunch of continuing ed classes. And I ended up doing that and realizing what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm done. I don't have to follow that academic track anymore. And so I quit all of those and I gave myself permission to have an entire year of like no striving, right? So I didn't go out and get a job. I waited tables. I partied. I just had the best time of my life. And that year I call my fairy year. And really what it was is my feminine year, right? So I didn't even understand what that would mean. I didn't have any languaging around that at that time. But it was like I had been so twisted up in that pressure of being perfect. I never even tried anything that I would fail at. Like my whole life was about sticking to only things that I was good at, only things that I could master, only things that I was just had a natural innate ability for. And that was such a... Um, a way to cut me off from so much enjoyment and so much exploration. And it wasn't until I gave myself that permission to just do nothing really, like to just wait tables. I mean, I would go and spend like all morning in my favorite, like, you know, breakfast place and I would just read books and I would just write journal and like then I would go to work and wait tables and it was amazing. And it shifted how I saw things. And it started sort of my track to realizing that, you know, I needed to stop striving perfection. I needed to stop striving for someone else's game and really begin to recognize what I want and whatever I want, even if I wasn't skilled at it, I could learn by skill building. Mm, Absolutely. Yes. And your story illuminates a really important point around, you know, our tendency to create a sense of identity around this, this striving and this perfection. And so like, when you made that be, it wasn't just a sad, oh, shoot, I broke my record. I was all A's and I made a B. It was what so many of us feel just like a stab to the heart because your identity was that I'm a straight A student. Like I perform, I do well. And then when something happens that um, is in conflict with that ego self and that identity, we get really, you know, we just get like overwhelmed with feelings of there's something inherently wrong. There's something wrong with me. I'm not meeting my, I'm not living up to this expectation and who I know myself to be. So, you know, if I'm an entrepreneur, I need to be a successful entrepreneur. And then if I have failures, then there's something wrong with me. Like I'm a horrible person and I'm a, you know, a failing entrepreneur. So it's really interesting how we know that when we're we're talking about this, this is not an easy thing to overcome. This is a very ingrained, pervasive sense of 
self that we derive identities through work in our in our society. And for children, it's like performance. So we derive that success through academia and through our ability to perform. And then we move that into the workforce. And then we're, you know, only as good as we are successful in our work. And then what I love is that you, without knowing anything about what that meant to be in your feminine, instinctively, though, your feminine reared its head. And it was like, wait, we have this whole other, we have all these other parts of ourselves. Like we can't just focus on the striving, just on the linear, the climbing that career ladder or whatever that is. We need to be more present. We need to just let things go and live life and find um, kind of the, the flow and discover all these other aspects of, of ourselves. And that is the gift of failure. You know, failing things means that we get to revisit and we get to reflect and we get to ask, like, why is it that this didn't work? And what I have found is that many professionals that have hit these moments of like, that feels like complete failure and, you know, just identity crisis, they found that, well, of course it wasn't working because it wasn't aligned, right? It's like what they were doing wasn't working because it kind of wasn't meant to work. You know, they didn't need to go that path. The, the failure was a reset moment for them to say, wait a minute, I was building a company or I was doing a thing that really wasn't aligned with my values anyway. And I was never going to succeed at this, even if I figured out all the magic formulas. And so there's this gift of the failure, the, the gift of imperfection, you know, that we can learn a lot about ourselves if we kind of let that experience happen without so much judgment and just more curiosity and reflection of like, why is this happening? Maybe a pivot is not so bad. Maybe there's something. Yes. And I think the other piece is we really have to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say, because a lot of people come to me you know, and they've they've not succeeded in their business in one way or the other, or they haven't been able to make something work. And they're like, either, you know, I'm done, I just can't do anything, I give up, or they try to go so far from what they did. They're like, that obviously didn't work. So I'm going to go way out here and try something completely different. And I'm like, well, hey, let's split some hairs. Let's look at really what did work and what didn't work. Let's get a little bit more granular so that we understand you know, what about that was misaligned, but what about that was aligned, right? Because instead of evaluating, and this is one of the things that I teach all of my clients, my whole process is around skill building, because everyone comes in and they like have all these ideas that it's it's this holistic thing, like I didn't do well, so that whole thing's a bust. When really, if you start to look and evaluate on a regular basis, you're like, hey, it's just this one thing that's not working. Let me tweak that. And then you tweak it and test again. Okay, cool. That worked a lot better. Let's try this. And then you tweak and test again. You see this with products, right? And product development. People constantly like testing and tweaking and testing and tweaking and testing and tweaking. But somehow we've lost that in other forms of business and industries. So service industries oftentimes just think they have to be perfect in their expertise, perfect website, already, let's go. Here I am offering perfection. Instead of being like, hey, I'm going to try this thing. Let's see how it works. Okay, that didn't work very well, but let's see what part of it didn't work so that I can just tweak that one part and then try again, right? We don't allow it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of that um, all or nothing. You know, we talk about this in in our culture a lot. You know, it's just, it's either 
all successful or, oh, no, it was all a flop. It's all, you know, just a failure. And yeah, usually there's just something about that, that that wasn't working. You know, you had a great concept, but it was missing something that could be actually, you know, reviewed and fixed or, you know, and then sometimes there's like the bigger things where I feel like, you know, like you do this whole big launch and you put a lot of time and energy into a launch of a service or a product. I know that can be really stressful for entrepreneurs when they're kind of bringing a new idea to market, right? And it's like, they're really excited and there's all this buildup. And, you know, you can launch something that you are so excited. And then when that launch just kind of flops, you know, I hear so many entrepreneurs go into a state of depression at that point of just like, nobody wants what I have to offer. I've really messed this up. I've spent all this money and now I'm not going to ever recoup any of that. And, you know, that's a time to, to really look at the possibility that, the failure happened because the timing wasn't right. The message just needs to be slightly tweaked. Maybe you just missed the target audience a little bit and we can tweak that. Like there's usually something. It doesn't mean that that whole idea, your whole beautiful idea in your program, you're going to scratch it. Instead, it's like you're going to look at what didn't land and how can I tweak it and how can I make this a different experience? And you learn so much from actually going in and doing a little bit of a forensic um, analysis on any of your failures. Look at them like what didn't work because there's so much that you're going to learn from that. And if you're really able to, this is a whole other conversation, but detach from your business also to understand that it's not you, it's not your identity. You're not good or bad depending on, on how your business is running. It's just a reflection of certain things in your life but it's this gift in the world that you're bringing. And sometimes you bring it in a way that's very clear and everyone gets it. And then other times you have to plug away. I mean, personally, I've been bringing to market the idea of wellness and co-working for over a decade. And it's just now that I get people understanding my concept. Does that make it a failure or does that make me innovative? I know, right? <laughs> right? I mean I mean, it's like perspective because I knew that it was something that people were going to want. And now they are starting to understand, oh, now I see the value of this, right? So just understanding that things have a way of unfolding and they're not a direct reflection of our value as people, as an individual soul in the world. And I think that is sort of the, the piece that we have to address, right? Is that so often what's happening is we're tying our value into perfection, into like, it's also black and white. You know, again, that's the masculine. It's like, it's, it is, we're positive or we're negative. We're successful or we're a failure. Like, it's like, it's all this kind of polarized thinking, Instead of giving ourselves permission to try, to mess up, to screw up. I mean, you know, I often tell my clients, it's inevitable. You're going to screw up. Stop trying to make everything perfect and stop trying to like prepare for every single thing that happens. It's inevitable. You're going to take in the wrong client. You're going to have a horrible experience. You're going to have to fire a client. You're going to have to give a refund. Like everything is inevitable. Like just accept it and hold it and give yourself 
permission to not have everything perfect. And let yourself skill build. Let yourself actually, you know, come in, try something, test something. I mean, all of my clients are obviously under guidance and supervision in my care. So they're doing all of this in a very safe environment, in a very open environment. But like we have to give ourselves permission to just try and to experiment, to use curiosity and to test things and to pivot and to switch little pieces and to tweak and to evolve. And I think when we have that spirit, right, when that's the core of how we're operating, that is what leads to success. It is not coming out of the gate in perfection that leads to success. And here is the secret or here is the thing that nobody talks about. Those people who come out right at the gate succeeding, they're heading for a failure. And the reason why is because they built no skills. And I watched this in the program with my own clients as well. There's people who come in and they immediately get, you know, a huge return on their investment, right? So they already had low-hanging fruit. They just needed to tweak a few things. And all of a sudden, all this money comes and they're like, I'm doing amazing. I'm really like, I'm making so much money now, you know, and then They haven't built the skills yet to keep that consistency. So as long as they hold that space and are like, okay, I'm still going to build the skills, even though I've had this sort of initial win or initial success, then they'll succeed long term. But if they kind of get a little bit in this place of like, well, I've already succeeded. I've done what I need to do. And they haven't built those skills. Guess what? They're going to come upon a failure. They're going to come and lose it all. Nothing they're doing right now in that initial win is going to work. So it's like I have to constantly, you know, sort of bring in that process and that philosophy that we're skill building. And some people take longer to get the win, but when they get the win, they're going to get the win consistently after that because they've built all those skills. It's so true because, you know, I mean, I just, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking if we could all just get some little (laughs) guidebook when we become entrepreneurs, (laughs) it's like, okay, all the things that we talk about all the time, this is a long game. Um, you know, it's not going to be overnight success. You are going to need to think about sustainability in order to really, you know, actually get to the, to, we're going to even say win this game. Like we're going to actually play the the game of entrepreneurship, um, and come out on top. It is about sustainability. Yes. And, and what we don't see you guys, and this is what's not talked about enough and what we keep trying to harp on to some degree in this podcast is that. You know, we are coming into entrepreneurship, looking for some secret tactic, wanting someone to tell us how to do it, and we're not building any skills. And this is why so many people are failing in this arena, because they're not building skills. They're not looking at like, okay, cool. There's all these things I don't know. So I'm going to take one thing at a time and I'm going to master it. I'm going to get good at it. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to understand it. And then I can keep building on that like a beautiful house, right? That you build from the foundation up. Instead, so many people are like just coming in and they're like, someone's got an answer for me. And when they give me that secret answer, I'm going to be successful. That is not how it works. Not ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Because right. and if that was the case, you know, people wouldn't actually so many people wouldn't become entrepreneurs because at the end of the day, most of the people that do become entrepreneurs enjoy being a creative problem solver. Right. 
It's like we like seeing that there is a problem that is not yet solved. There's a gap that needs to be filled. Like there is something about that path, I think, that is just inherit to being an entrepreneur. So, you know, remembering that, that, you know, even like a a chess game is not very satisfying if it's just easily won, you know, right from the beginning, like that doesn't, okay, great. I won. (laughs) Yay. You know, the people who really enjoy the game and in the, the game of chess, which is very calculated and intentional, is that it's a long game that takes a lot of reflectivity and oops, you know, you make a mistake and then you've got to figure out how you can adjust and move forward in that game. And so I feel like it's a whole different mindset that we need to approach entrepreneurship with. And I think that we're just perpetuating these myths. Um, if we constantly throw up the, you know, the Pinterest pretty and Instagram perfect kind of um, ideas of entrepreneurship. And you will see more and more, um, you know, people trying to break down those walls and really speaking to this challenge. And I'm glad to see even main media outlets now, uh, like Forbes and Inc. and Entrepreneur Magazine, will have more of this um, type of content of like, you know, what it means to actually tell the truth behind entrepreneurship and trying to kind of start to, I believe, dismantle this very pervasive story that entrepreneurship is all glitz and glamour. But it's going to take more than, you know, even they're doing their thing to kind of externally try to shift the narrative. But what's really important and what, you know, you and I, Sonia, are so passionate about is like where as an individual can you be mindful of that systemic issue but then come into your own personal narrative and say, where am I colluding with that story? Where am I judging myself and criticizing myself and seeing my failures in these really negative ways, what are some areas in your life where you might stop and actually give yourself a pat on the back for trying before you just completely tear yourself up for not doing it the way that you thought you needed to do it or, you know, like really, really shifting this internal perception that we have of ourselves. And that's really where it has to come from. Like, I think, you know, Not that it's not great. Like, I love that my clients have my care and support, right? That is really powerful and amazing when you have a mentor or have someone who can hold space. And not just hold space in terms of like, I'm just holding space, but hold space for you to fail. Hold space for you to make a mistake. Hold space for you to fall apart. Like, that's a pretty awesome place. And if you don't have one of those, you should find one of those because it's really powerful. And it's great to have encouraging community as well, right? Women who will cheer you on. But... Nothing changes if you don't change yourself. Like nobody can validate and give you permission but yourself. So I can tell, you know, my clients every day, hey, you have permission to fail. But if they don't choose it, if they don't decide to take off the shackles of perfection and to let go of all of that, you know, striving to be a master of everything, then it doesn't change. It's something that you have to come to in yourself and you have to give yourself permission for and you have to allow. And that is a hard and super, super amazing experience. And I would encourage you all to embrace failure embrace making mistakes, embrace the skill building. Like it will be a really powerful experience. 
Yeah, I agree. And just like everything that we talk about, embracing failure is also a practice. It's not going to be something that you're going to figure out tomorrow. Like, oh, yeah, listen to Lawrence <laughs> on his podcast and they're right. I'm going to embrace it and it's awesome. I, and it's going to be so easy. Like, I'm going to fail and it's going to be great. I'm going to celebrate it. <laughs> that is not our expectation here. It's a skill set to also be able to pause instead of instantly going into a self-critical thought to notice it and just be like, okay, wait, you know, can I have more compassion for myself? I've actually been handling a lot. So it makes sense that I missed a, that mark, you know, and, and what can I learn from it? And, and then one day that happens more easily because you were maybe more rested and you had a threshold and capacity to do that. The next time that Maybe much harder to do, but you don't lose hope. You just go, wow, that was really hard to embrace failure. I think I did a little bit more of that last month, but let me just pick that back up. Let me just keep trying. Let me remember that it's okay and that I'm not the only one. And I definitely will say that one of the most common comments I get from my clients when they get in my office and we start talking about their challenges and I just basically normalize how many other entrepreneurs are also struggling with these same feelings and fears is they're just like, oh my goodness, okay, so I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that just tanked 50 grand into that idea. No, you're not. Guess what? The other person did a hundred. You're actually, you're doing a little bit better than that. You know, like, you know, as far as like people are investing money, they're investing energy, they're putting things on the line every day. You're not the only one. And many of them are having to pivot. Many of them are taking losses and not seeing that investment return on that investment immediately. But if they keep going, they keep learning, then you're seeing that person come with the next thing and they've evolved and they've learned and they've embraced what they've learned. So it's a continual process, but in my opinion, one very much worth sticking to because it not only has changed my investments or my return on my investments increasing that over time, but it's given me a sense of resiliency in a sense that I can do so many things in this world. Like I live on that edge, so I can pretty much take anything, right? Whatever life has to to bring, I'm pretty confident in my ability to to handle it because I don't live in that sheltered place. I live out on the edge with a lot of support and a lot of compassion and I play out there and it's awesome. I love it. There's so many things that you said that I like what a pull threads. I mean, <laughs> like the normalizing, right? Like I think that's such a key component is that, you know, it is totally normal to feel like a failure. It's totally normal to fail. It's totally normal to make huge mistakes in your business. Everyone's done it. Everyone's doing it. I've done it a million times. Like it, it, it is totally normal. And I think that normalizing component is really helpful in terms of recognizing that, no, it's not us. We're not an idiot. We're not a failure. We're not like inherently wrong. You know, none of that. It's just normal. It's just part of the process. And it's great to normalize it. And And I also just love what you said in terms of, you know, the skill building process. It, it actually is one of the ways that I help my clients future proof right, is like, it's inevitable your market will change, what your target market wants, what they don't want, how the world works, all of it's going to inevitably change over time. But if you've learned to skill build, if you've learned to go out there, test things, pivot, evaluate, evolve, if you've learned how to do that over and over again, you are future-proofed 
as an entrepreneur. And I think that's what we forget. We don't, we don't realize that, you know, by grabbing onto a tactic, by following someone else's pathway, by not learning the skills that you need to learn to succeed, you are shooting your future in the foot because it is inevitable that every single tactic that is successful right now will fail later. It's inevitable because the world constantly is changing. Things that worked for me 10 years ago don't work today. The world is totally different. The avenues of marketing are totally different. The, what, what people need are different. What my target market needs is different. And so, you know, we have to sort of evolve and allow ourselves that ability to keep testing, to keep evolving, to keep pivoting. But I also love what you said, Laura, in terms of the resiliency that we build. Because I'm the same. I know that no matter what comes in my life, I'm not scared of it. It will be hard. It might bring me to my knees. It might bring me in the mud, in the dirt, and I don't know how to get up, but I will. I will get up. And that's only because I've experienced so much hardship and so much failure and so much challenge and so many, you know, crazy things that have happened in my life. And it's like through that process, we become resilient. And that's why this process of failing and skill building and permission to make mistakes is so very important. That is so well said. I don't think I have anything else (laughs) (laughs) to add to this conversation. Yeah, except just be compassionate, be curious with all of those things that you may perceive as a failure. Because most likely, just as Sonia said, you're future proofing your business, you're becoming more resilient. And these are all things to embrace, not to tear ourselves up for. All right. Well, we'll wrap up the show for today. So thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next week. Do you have a question about your business that you want answered? Every month I host free office hours so you can tap into my 20 years of experience navigating the business arena. If you need some direction, want to discuss a strategy, or just get feedback on the next right step for your service business, join me in my free Women in the Business Arena Facebook group for a live Q&A each month. It's a lot of fun, and you get to meet an amazing group of women. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Women in the Business Arena. We'd love to welcome you into our community. Come join the Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at soniastatman.com. See you next week.